best party I ever went to was at the um, college improv festival. Ooh. Uh, at USC in so LA. So everybody was a fucking weirdo. Everyone was a weirdo. And what it was is after one of the sets one night, because what it is, is like, it was like eight hours for three days straight of just like watching improv. And then you, each team had two slots. So you do two sets of improv there. And after one of the days, the sets, we go back, which by the way, the one we watched that day was a group from USC called Comedius Interruptus. And their warm up was to make out with each other. Stop. Yeah, like every single person in the group made out with every other person in the group before they took the stage, which is weird. They were hilarious, though, so I think it might work. I don't know. Were they all like hot? They were, you know, they weren't ugly. All right. So I don't know. You know, they all fucked each other. Oh, probably. They probably all fuck each other together, which is fine. Whatever. Do that. But after we saw their show, already we're in a weird mood, right? So we go to this this party just at a random house in L.A. And I remember one of the teams was just walking around with a wine bag. And this is the first time I ever heard the term slap the bag. Oh, yeah. I did you know, that all the time. I see. I did not know this was a thing. This had never happened before. Yeah. They're walking there. Like, I slap the bag. You had to like hit the bag and then like fucking mm-hmm. rip some wine out of it or whatever. I was yeah. allergic to wine, so I didn't do it. But. There were just, I mean, I just remember getting really fucking high with some random people that I did not know. Some random improvers from Penn State. Yeah. Just getting super baked, walking around the back. There was some guy leaning against a palm tree that was obviously on some stronger shit who was just like looking off in the distance, you know? So I got high with random Penn Staters. I slapped the bag and I saw a dude on shrooms against like a palm tree. That's fun. And then the cops came and we had to book it the fuck out of there. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Jesus so, Christ. That's fun, though. I was 21 at the time, but we had some people that weren't. So Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. What about you? Um, one of my friends from college, she got married two years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm not kidding you. I think this was like a two hundred fifty to $300,000 wedding. Like, it was... Oh, shit. Okay. Insane. Someone's got rich parents. <laughs> yeah. Her mom owns one of the top 10 event planning businesses in the country. Oh, well, that'll do it. So... It was fucking wild. We were in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania. It was beautiful. We went glamping for like five days. So the whole, we were there for like four or five days and the whole time it was a party and like somebody at the, at the rehearsal dinner, I have a guardian angel because I should have been hung over the next morning. Someone let me drink two bottles of wine at the rehearsal dinner. Almost fell in the, nice, almost fell in the fire pit. I was so drunk that I thought I could eat rice with ranch on it as a drunk snack. Not the move. You can. It's not easy. It's gross. Oh, but you can do it. With my hands. Just pouring oh, it on top. Oh, so gross. Like a, I was a, a ball monster. of rice in your hands. I was an absolute monster. And then what else did we do? Oh, yeah. And then the actual wedding. Oh, so fun. Like they had a professional DJ. And so it was like it was like actually good music. It wasn't like, all right. And now we're going to do the mother daughter day, father daughter dance. A professional and then, DJ like Shaq. Yeah. Cool. No, but it was like uh, it was like the entire time. And they shot confetti in the air Interesting. with confetti guns. It was awesome. It was a really fun party. It sounds like and too much I work. Did bad things that I won't say. But they didn't have to do with sex. Uh, that makes it even weirder. All right. Uh, 
<laughs> oh, yeah. all right. Uh, she just gave me an audio cue, so I'll, I'll keep that to myself. And it's you, a little secret. It's a little secret between us that you guys aren't going to know about. So welcome back, every everyone, to another episode of White Collars. Red hands. Uh, I just got my first, no, sorry, my second <laughs> vaccine shot. I'm very out of it right now, if you haven't been able to tell already. Um, I'm also the one leading this week. So, yeah, I don't know why I let you do that. Uh, buckle up, guys. Uh, I might rant. I might rave. I might say things that don't make sense. That's why Nine is here to hopefully question me on those things. I did do a whole episode, which was the Richard Nixon episode, while still mildly concussed, though. You did. So, I think I might get through this, and I led that one as well. But you know, Richard Nixon is our worst listened to episode. So, yeah, well, I don't think it has to do with that, though. I don't remember anything, so you know. Uh, so you're probably wondering why we're talking about parties. Woohoo! And you know who really knew how to party? The Romans. Yeah, they did. Right, or at least so it's told. They had wine-filled orgies where all carnal desires could be sated in one place, fantasized about by many, including. Dennis Kozlowski, the CEO of one of the largest conglomerate companies in America, Tyco. So much so that when his second, but don't worry, not last, wife was turning 40, he decided to pull out all the stops and create a week-long party for her in the style of the ancient Romans. There were half-naked models on pedestals, flaming arrows shot to light up a display reading, congratulations to Dennis and Karen. For her 40th birthday? Yeah. Her 40, okay. and like, it's a guy, I've seen the video, he shoots his flaming arrow, and it lights up all these letters that say, congratulations, Dennis and Karen, which also, it's her birthday. Yeah, that's why I'm confused. So good job including your name, you dick. And also, a now infamous ice sculpture of Michelangelo's David urinating Stolichnia vodka. This extreme lavishness was normal to Dennis. The only problem with this party, like many of the things Dennis had purchased, it wasn't acquired with his own money. A web of deceit lied right under Tycho's framework, and this Bacchanalian party was the first strand in its undoing. Okay, what is Bacchanalian? It refers to like Mardi Gras and like, oh. and like, you know, releasing carnal desires. Hot. Like Bacchanalia is just like a expression of kind of all the sins at once. Nice. Drinking and fucking and shit like that. And urinating vodka. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, they cut that part of the video out because they deemed it too, I don't know how to say the uh, graphic or NS adult. For NSFW? The, for, uh, yeah. Two NSFW for the jury in the trial so i didn't get to really find it. that's funny though it's not a real person urinating funny. vodka no nah, it is i guess they were like well, it's a penis though like if you ever seen uh i saw michelangelo's david i was in florence i saw it did you it touch it you're not supposed to do that did, okay you're not supposed to but did you no you didn't, you didn't like they're pretty serious about it because some guy came in once with a hammer and broke like the feet really you're gonna break the feet he was he was crazy oh so but yeah. You just ch choke the chicken a little bit. Choke David's chicken. Oh, my God. Stop. One, it's really high up, so you can't reach it. But, oh, my God. Um, so today, we're talking another corporate scandal. It's been a little bit uh, since we've Done been that. in the corporate realm. I think WorldCom was the last time we did it. But we're back, baby. We back. And we're talking about Tycho and, uh, as we already mentioned, Dennis uh, Kozlowski. That is the sexiest last name I've ever heard. Kozlowski. Oh, man. Not, Polish, oh, Polish yeah. last names are just the sexiest. sexiest. Yeah. <laughs> um, Kolk. How do you say it? 
Kozlowski. Kozlowski. Oh, mm-hmm. Nina Kozlowski. So hot. You you look Polish. It's because I'm white and have blondish hair. That's fake. Yeah. All right. <laughs> you, we, it's, we agree. And it's not, and I'm not short. Also, also correct. So, I do think I, Polish people are actually supposedly short. Oh, well, never mind. Don't know, though. Blew that out of the water. So Tyco Incorporated was founded in 1960 by Arthur J. Rosenberg as a research and development company aimed at researching semiconductors and electronics in general. And they basically uh, only worked for the U.S. military, creating electronics parts and things for the military. Um for like the Vietnam War and the Korean War and stuff around that time. So in the 70s and 80s, Tyco started doing what they would eventually become known for, acquiring as many businesses as they could get their hands on. They're basically, they grew into uh, a conglomerate. They were an investment firm. So a lot like how we talked about with Michel Sindona mm-hmm. a while ago, how basically what he did is he would have a company and then just acquire more companies and then sell them yeah. if they're profitable yeah. and then merge them and then just like find companies that you could incorporate into the company to gain more Wealth of the company, Mm -hmm. that's what Tyco is, basically. But they center mostly on electronics and a few other things um, because these acquisitions actually help them expand business past just electronics um, into a few other fields that they would eventually become leaders in almost all of these. So not only electronics, but packaging, uh, disposable medical instruments. And their biggest one is actually fire and security systems. So, like, they would make the little – those little – Star-shaped like uh, fire extinguishers that like okay. when it has when it gets hot it starts pouring water. Okay, like they made those. Oh, look at them! And they bought companies that made those and incorporated them in so that they could have like more of a market share of that across the entire nation. Got it. In the seventies and eighties, uh, in the nineties, however, someone would rise to the helm that would turn this decent corporate player into a giant in the American corporate world. This person would take the reins on Tycho and is none other than Dennis Kozlowski. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Dennis's background just to get into it. So uh, Dennis Kozlowski started from humble beginnings, the son of second generation Polish Americans in New Jersey. Uh, his mother was a police officer and his father was a public service transport official. Um, That's pretty interesting, actually, because this was pro- like what he's he was born in the 60s, probably. Mm-hmm. For his mom to be the police officer, I find interesting. I know. I thought that pretty interesting as well. Yeah. So. I feel like there couldn't have been very many women officers at that time. I may be speaking out my well, ass, but. T- to be fair, some places said she worked at the police department and also as a cross guard. And then some just called her a police officer. Oh, okay. So I don't know her exact role, but I do know she was also a crossing guard. So maybe she was just like a traffic cop. Even still. But even still, yeah, definitely breaking some barriers, busting yeah. through some glass look, ceilings look there. Look at so. Mrs. Kozlowski. I love hearing you try and say that. This is great. <laughs> um, he attended Seton Hall University in New Jersey, which is a Catholic university, where he attained a degree in accounting. Oh. The most interesting of degrees. The best of degrees. Everyone I know with an accounting degree is just the coolest. They're honestly the most fun people to hang out with. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of blow. Actually, you know what? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. They probably do. Because they don't have a personality, so they have to have duplo. Cocaine is their personality. Yep. Perfect. Uh, Pierogies uh, and cocaine. Oh, damn. Because it's Polish. The Polish perfection. Uh, I love a pierogi. I love a cocaine. <laughs> uh, 
so with this accounting degree in 1975, he signed on to become a junior accountant at Tyco Incorporated. And from this junior accounting position, he would literally climb the entire corporate ladder, becoming the chief operating officer. And eventually in 1992, after what, 17 years of being with the company, he became the CEO of Tyco. That's pretty cool. Yeah, all the way from junior accountant to the CEO is a big climb. Yeah. You know, and, and now... The only other uh, corporation I know that you can really do that in is Cracker Barrel. I feel like you can do it at a lot of corporations, but it's really hard. Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. happen a lot. You know, I, but I have seen... You know, there there aren't a lot of, like, fast food chains or, like, food chains in general that have people like that, right? Like, they're like, I started out as a cook mm-hmm. at a local store, and then I became a general manager, and then I became a regional manager, and then I became, the district you know, manager. a corporate executive, and then I became the COO, or then the CFO, and then the CEO, you know? That does yep, happen. It does. But like only with places like McDonald's. Very weird. Uh, but to be able to achieve this kind of corporate climbing requires not only a badass business card, I'm sure, a la American Psycho, uh, but also requires a tenacity and confidence, which we have talked about many times before on the podcast and about, you know, what the corporate environment is like and right. what it takes to succeed in the corporate environment yeah. and how that reflects a lot of very maybe negative things about the environment as well. Uh, and Dennis was no exception. Although he looks a lot like Eric Porterfield. I don't know if you know who this is. No. He is a blind congressman from West Virginia. He's blind? Yeah, but uh, don't feel too bad for him because he implied he would drown his children if they came out as gay. What the fuck? Which is the only reason I know him because he's so terrible. I've seen him in a couple of things. Well, first of all. Wait, let me show you. He can't even see if they're gay. (laughs) So... Like that matters. Also, how the fuck are you a blind man going to drown your children? Please explain that to me. Uh, oh no, he's a big guy. You could just kind of like lay on him. That's Eric Porterfield. Oh god. All right, and then now I'll show you. I wonder if he can this find is, the this. Clip. Is Dennis Kozlowski? Oh, he does. Not. They're kind of similar, right? Because someone asked him because he he came out against like homosexuality, like hard. You know, and like supported like you know like white supremacist groups like openly and stuff. Like Chick Fil A. Yeah, he was actually. He, that's all he does is he only eats Chick Fil A. Well, he looks like he which only is how eats he Chick-fil-A. became so rotund. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but for a guy that looks like that, and also sounds like Kermit the Frog got kicked in the throat because he's got a really weird voice. Uh, I'm gonna have to look up this dude later. Oh, so Dennis Kozlowski is the one who sounds like he like Kermit the Frog got kicked in the throat. Oh, here, actually, you know what? I mean, play this- a clip. I want to hear Kermit. Let's see, here's his 60 Minutes interview. Without at least an opportunity to That's him. talk about uh, my side of the story to the extent that I can talk about it. He agreed to speak with one... Talk yeah. about to my side of the story That's that I weird, think I could talk he has about. a strange voice. Low-key has a lisp. And he sounded like that before, too. So it wasn't just something he got when he was older. Or when he, I, I heard him talk when he was younger, and he just sounds like that. Man, tragic. So for a guy who looks like Eric Porterfield... Not a good-looking guy, and sounds like Kermit the Frog got kicked in the throat. Dennis was still a natural salesman. Yeah, because people wanted to quit talking to him. They're like, "I'll buy whatever you want, dude." Yeah, just just get the fuck away from me. Please stop talking to me. Take my company, whatever. I don't care. Um, He was called Deal a Day Dennis by many around him, and uh, Kozlowski took immediately to doing what Tyco did throughout the seventies and eighties, and began making more acquisitions. A deal a day. but it wasn't the 16 acquisitions that Tyco had made in the 70s, which, by the way, is marked a lot as a heavy acquisition period for them. They made mm-hmm. 16 in, in the 70s. Now, it's estimated that between 1991 and 2001, uh, while Dennis was CEO, that Tyco made 3,000 
company acquisitions. How? That's all they did. All they did were was negotiating with companies to acquire them into the Tyco brand and getting more and more like. Like, how would you even keep it. up with that? Uh, well, that's the thing. And uh, I did watch like three very long, different, very long interviews with Kozlowski. And he basically says that he's like, you had to delegate a lot. You have a big team of people doing it. It's just you're kind of the, like the CEO is the one leading the direction. Got it. But, I mean, he did make a lot of the decisions as, as far as that goes, obviously. Um, one of the most notable uh, acquisitions that they made was ADT Security Systems, which I'm pretty sure we've all seen a commercial for at least once in our lives. Like, the, they had those commercials where it was, like, someone breaking in, and then it was like, ADT, we noticed that your window, yeah. alarm, you know, they had all those. Those stupid. So, but it, it's very popular. If you were to ask me, name a secure, like, home security system, I think that's the only one I'd be able to know. Well, I don't. Now you put me on the spot. I don't know. Exactly. Um, So this caused, uh, these acquisitions caused Tyco to consistently beat Wall Street's expectations for their profits year after year, which in turn caused Tyco stock to skyrocket, being worth over $100 a share at its peak, which is pretty high for the 90s. That's very high. Um, And the company also made it into the S&P 500, which is the list of the 500 highest valued American corporations by market cap. So they're one of the biggest companies in america quite mm-hmm. literally mm-hmm. by how much by their market value and dennis kozlowski led tyco into a renaissance of sorts um because you know they were a decent corporation before this but they just acquired so much that they're at the top of corporate america now they're like the biggest they i think he said they went from doing like a million dollars in revenue a year to like 300 million in those 10 years whoa so it was crazy, and he did usher it in, kind of. Um, but after 10 years at the helm and consistently uh, posting profits, in 2002, Tycho posted a huge loss for the first time. And Dennis, the man who at one point was the highest compensated executive in America, he made the most money, suddenly resigned. Hmm. And now, j- just a quick reminder that uh, a CEO uh, can only be paid a salary, which is decided upon by something called a compensation committee. So there's a committee that decides how much everyone's going to get paid. The CEO doesn't get to, like, decide that himself. Well, they shouldn't. And the cap at the time was a million. So That you, doesn't seem like very much. Exactly. The salary is capped at a million, but they can still compensate you in other ways. Like bonuses and shit. bonuses and stock options. Got so it. So he was also, he was literally making hundreds of millions of dollars extra every year in stock options and bonuses. Got it. So... You know, he was getting a lot of money, a lot. And with him stepping down, you knew something was wrong at Tyco. You know, following the collapse of Enron and WorldCom, both stories which we have previously covered uh, here on the podcast, uh, there was a magnifying glass on corporations all over America. The CEO, which was once revered as the pinnacle of the American dream. Like if you're a CEO, you made it. You're the, yeah. you're the, you're the most made it you can be oh, pretty absolutely. much. Right. Um, could now be seen as a crook, something that people really didn't think of a lot before. And when a company reports a loss for the first time in a while, followed by the CEO unceremoniously stepping down, you knew trouble is just around the corner. Yeah, it's not a good look. That sounds like a few other stories we talked about. Uh, and it turns out it was. <laughs> um, the first domino uh, to fall in the Tyco scandal had to do with art. 
I love a good art piece. Love a good art piece. Uh, Dennis was an avid art collector. And as one with affluent taste, he didn't spend his money on paltry paintings at local galleries, but rather bought pieces worth millions of dollars. The only trouble was that he wasn't buying them with his money. He was using corporate funds to buy paintings that he then said were for the Tyco headquarters. And when they got shipped to New Hampshire, they were empty crates and the real paintings were hung up in his New York apartment. Oh, man. So, but no one at the company cared because somebody had to be getting these empty crates. Well, I I think he was telling people and just being like, don't worry about it. All right. And everyone was kind of like, okay, which we'll get into a little bit later about maybe why they said that was okay. And it's kind of, you know, it's not just Dennis Kozlowski here. Right. You know, he was the main one and he kind of created this environment where all this could happen. Mm -hmm. But other people were taking advantage of it for sure. Oh, I'm sure. Um, But the main reason he did this, though, was to avoid taxes because New Hampshire doesn't have sales tax. So if he buys something in New Hampshire, like a 16, like 60 million dollars worth of paintings, he doesn't have to pay sales tax on it. But if it's really going to New York Now he just evaded what was estimated to be around a million dollars in sales taxes. Okay, but what is but what is so annoying about this is that you make hundreds of millions. You are actually making hundreds of millions of dollars a year, and like it would be like the equivalent of us saving like a hundred dollars. You know, I I know that. See, that's the thing I think is stupid too. Like, I I get that incrementally it probably adds up to a lot, but it's like you're buying like twelve, sixteen million dollars worth of art. Why not just make that 17 and include the million dollars in taxes Mm -hmm. with it? You know, but I mean, the other thing is that once again, he wasn't using his own money and him avoiding the sales tax was another cost that he kept off the books, which made it harder to catch him. And because if he paid a sales tax, it would like if he paid the sales tax, it would attribute something to him for this cost that the company incurred that he really had. It's a lot of work because (laughs) if he paid the sales tax on it, that would be admitting that he got it to his New York apartment and not to the Tyco headquarters. Right. But just fucking buy it. Yes, that's stupid. But it turns out, you know, like, ugh, maybe he was doing a little bit more of that. Uh, The Manhattan attorney general caught wind of this and indicted Kozlowski for tax fraud or uh, tax fraud, uh, sales tax fraud, and tax evasion, which turned out to be the reason he was forced to step down from his CEO position at Tyco. Over art, people. He basically said he's like, yeah, a CEO really can't continue to be a CEO while he's being indicted for tax evasion. So they they had to worth it? Was it worth it, Dennis? I would have to say probably not. Um, And although the tax evasion charges were eventually dropped... This got the uh, SEC and the Manhattan Attorney General interested in what kind of practices besides this were going on at Tyco. And they decided to look into their accounting practices, and they found a lot wrong with them. Uh, A close look at Tyco's books revealed that there had been a dangerous mixing of assets between Tyco's money and Kozlowski's personal assets. It almost seemed as if Dennis Kozlowski was treating Tyco's money Like his own. As his own money. Yeah. Which is just the basis of corruption, like the definition of corruption. You know, it's like you get paid for the services you do and he got compensated heavily. But he thought, you know, I'm the I feel like he never said this because he still claims that he's innocent to this day. But I feel like he thought I'm the one who made this company. Right. You know, I'm the one who made this company what it is. So I'm entitled to all the money it gets, which is just not really how it works. 
especially if you're already getting hundreds of millions of dollars every year. Right. So like, no how, works at all. How greedy can you be? Pretty greedy, as we can find out. But because of this, he had used Tycho's money to front part of the money to buy a mansion for him and his wife at the time that was decorated lavishly, including the following. All of these are real things that were in there that Tycho's money supposedly paid for. A really ugly designer shower curtain that cost $6,000, which you can see. I put a picture of it in here because I wanted you to be able to see the shower. It's so gross looking. It looks heavy, too. It looks like it's made out of a quilt. Yeah, it it looks like an old curtain. Like if you were to go into like a um, a house. Like a Victorian house? Yeah. Yeah. It looks like one of those curtains. I don't know why you need this. I don't know. For $6,000. It was just, I think he just was like, yeah, spend money on anything. Yeah. A $15,000 dog umbrella holder, which I saw, and it literally looks like something you can get from a thrift store. It doesn't even look nice. Well, this shower curtain doesn't look nice. Exactly. A $2,000 trash can. I don't know what it is. Was it made of gold? I did not get to find a picture of it. He also spent $2,900 on coat hangers alone. It, his coats better never fall off. And $5,960 on two sets of sheets, among others. That's only a few. That was that was kind of the ones that I picked what out. I was like, this is a great thread just. count? That's what I want to know. Better be like $4 million. There's not enough thread to... Like, justify that. No, there's not. It better be, like, hand-woven by, like, blind monks in the Alps to be that much money. It better be hand-woven by Eric... Porterfield? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's a monk now, actually. That was the thing. I, I don't know if I told you. He deserves you. to be a monk. Yeah. <laughs> um, and as mentioned earlier, he also threw that, wink, that week-long party for his now ex-wife on the island of Sardinia in Where? Italy. Okay. Uh, that was paid for with $1 million of Kozlowski's own money. Granted, and also a million dollars from Tycho's personal coffers. I just want someone to like care about me so much that they will throw a party like that. Throw for a two me. million dollar party for you? Yeah, yeah. No, That'd that's be really the dream, cool. man. Right? Uh, Could you imagine how good the food probably was? Oh, I'm, I'm assuming it was great. I mean, you got vodka pissed into your mouth by David, so, so the food cool. had to be great. Also, later they like argued. <laughs> the defense argued that. This was an appropriate spending of company money what? because a lot of the attendees were people who worked at the company or from other companies they did business with. And I was like, no. Weird flex. No, you can't say that Dennis's wife's fucking birthday party was an appropriate spending of corporate money. It's like the least appropriate spending of corporate money. So stupid. Uh, now, along with this, and this is probably the the big bad part, um, Dennis Kozlowski also authorized many loans to himself and others through Tyco's executive loan program. And this program is usually used to pay for taxes on executive stock options. Uh, but Dennis was taking the money and using it just for personal expenses and personal gain. So I've never understood this. It seems like a bad idea to give any of your executives loans. Yeah. But they had it. It was like the executive key loan program or something that the company had in place Mm -hmm. that you could take out, that you could take money to pay for the um, taxes on your stock options so that you don't get like get into debt because they're giving you the stock options, whatever, whatever. I don't know. Um, But because he was the one there wasn't like good oversight of this program, though. So Mm -hmm. it was basically Dennis overseeing the program so he could just take money. And do whatever he want with it. And he ended up taking out $270 million in loans. Damn. Which he used to buy art, 
real estate in Boca Raton, and even an apartment for his wife as part of the, his divorce settlement. And you know it wasn't like a shitty apartment either. Like, it was a nice-ass apartment. Oh, no, I'm sure it was great. And many of these loans, quote-unquote, that he took out um, were then forgiven later. Or offset as bonuses. They were written down. Yeah, they were. So they took the money as part of that loan program and then they wrote it off as a bonus later. Are so you it's kidding me? So they never had to pay it back. That either. is obscene. Right? That makes me so mad. Yeah, and they were taken out at also like no interest too. They were like, this is a no interest loan because you're giving the loan to yourself, basically. And then you just said, oh, and we'll take that as a bonus later Dude, as well. What the freaking heck? Um, at the same time, the CFO of the company, Mark Swartz, um, did not only know that this was happening, but was doing it himself also to the tune of $72 million. Well, if he's going to do it, I'm going to do it. So, and, and it wasn't just those two, though. Uh, this included many other executives. As many as 40 executives took loans that were later underwritten as bonuses. Now, in the investigation afterwards, they did say, they did come to the conclusion that most of the people that took it actually didn't know they were doing anything wrong. They thought they were just receiving a bonus, but it wasn't given to them in the correct manner. And even Dennis Kozlowski to this day will still say he's innocent because he says that all the money he took, he said that he, uh, what he was originally um, charged with is taking $82 million in unapproved bonuses from the compensation committee. And he's, unapproved bonus. Unapproved bonus. Because what he says is that all that money came off four separate transactions that Tyco did. And it was, and they had already set a percentage that he was supposed to get from that as a bonus because of the deal, because of the acquisition deals. And that he got it, but they didn't run it by the compensatory board, the compensation board a final time, even though okay, they had already so agreed like, on the contract. I see what you're saying, but it's not how it works. Well, it's also a lie because he also doesn't mention all of these other loans that he was taking out and then giving to himself as bonuses. Right. So I just don't trust the guy. But he puts on a really good face If because the first thing I did was listen to a 45-minute interview with him at oh, ASU. Jesus. And he uh, like at, towards the end of it, I was like, man, am I really going to get to this and be like, oh, it wasn't really his fault? And then I started doing more research. I was like, oh, no, it was definitely his fault. No, he's just really good at lying. Yeah, exactly. Um, and all these 40 executives um, and Mark Schwartz, the CFO, and Kozlowski, they helped hide this purposely by limiting the scope of internal audit audits. And they would bypass their legal department completely when they submitted uh, disclosure materials to the Securities and Exchange Commission. So they wouldn't even get their legal department involved when they like gave the disclosure, the <laughs> disclosure, like the financial disclosure paperwork to uh -huh. the SEC. What the freaking heck? And they would try and tighten down on internal audits. Oh, yeah, of course. It's just like WorldCom where he was like taking the like no more free coffee. Yeah. Like, let's tighten down on the people who are doing what's right and, like, the well, people who actually work here. And, like, let's cut these, like, quote-unquote unnecessary expenses when you're just, like, lining your own pockets. Well, this is more like WorldCom, how they were kneecapping their own. Because every company has an internal audit. Yeah. Uh, like, board and an external audit company. So, it's like how WorldCom kneecapped their own internal audit system mm -hmm. to help them from discovering what they were doing wrong. Mm -hmm. They did the same thing here, where they would basically, like, they wouldn't give all the documents to their internal auditors. 
And they would just like, the CFO would just figure it out. Yeah. Do some clever accounting, you know? And they hid the cost of these forgiven loans as expenditures in their many acquisitions. So like the million dollars here, the $2 million here, whatever that they had forgiven the loans for, they would just hide it in acquisition costs. Like, oh, it was part of this acquisition, but we paid this as a finder's fee or, you know, to hide it accounting wise. Um, I hate people. And they did have, you're probably wondering, oh, but didn't they have an external auditing company? Yeah, they did. They had a firm called uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers. uh, That sucked at their job. They're accused of not doing their due diligence uh, in letting these go unseen as Tyco's external auditor. Now, I don't know if it was like Enron where Enron. They were being paid off. They were being paid off. I don't know if it was like that. That never came out if it was. But. You have to think they were, though. Right, like, yeah, like you audit companies and you're not going to miss you're gonna all miss this for all that. years? No. A decade? No. You're being paid. No. Don't even. Don't even try it. Um, and on top of this, it was also discovered that Swartz and Kozlowski sold 7.5 million shares of their Tyco stock, totaling $340 million, split between both of them, Without telling the shareholders. And when an executive sells their stock, they have to tell the shareholders. It's it's required by the SEC. So they're taking money in the form of loans, in quotation marks, that they're then forgiving themselves, forgiving themselves back in bonuses um, to pay for stupid shit, jewelry, trash cans, shower curtains. holders. Yeah, just stupid stuff. And then they're also selling off their stock without telling the shareholders. I hate these guys. So after what you could say is also inflating your market value mm-hmm. by a lot. by clever accounting, you know? Yeah. So after all this came out, uh, Koslowski and Schwartz were hit with civil penalties from the SEC and Tyco. Tyco sued them as well. And also criminal charges were brought against the two. Uh, Koslowski's first trial, fun fact, was it declared a mistrial? Because supposedly, as one of the jurors was leaving the courtroom, they gave an OK symbol to the defense uh, table. And it says, allegedly, because they don't know, but then that juror was harassed by the public. So because they had a juror whose identity was found out and being harassed by the public, the judge had to declare it a mistrial. I'm just confused. With what? Why did she do that? We don't know if she did, but maybe she was like, I'm on your side. Okay. You know, that's what people think. Like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like, I got you, bro. Yeah, but then how'd they figure out who she was? Uh, pictures of her leaving the courtroom. Oh. They were like, that's the juror. That's the bitch that has the okay sign. Find her. What if she was really doing this? <laughs> She's like, remember Sardinia? I will give the Italian hand to you because you at home can't see what Nine is doing. It's the little yeah, wavy like Italian the, hand. the wavy Italian hand that, wait, isn't that the thing that people try to make you look at? Yes. Yeah. A gabagool. But the argument and in the second trial mm-hmm. that Kozlowski had received all the money as appropriate bonuses, that it just wasn't finalized by the uh, compensation committee, it really didn't go over well with the jury. Which Kozlowski, by the way, said in an interview that it's probably because none of them were college educated, so they didn't know what was going on. Oh, wow. He was what ba- a dick. Like, he basically insinuated, like, no, I had a really shitty jury because they're stupid. That's... So they didn't understand what was going on. So they just saw me, and he said, like, almost this exactly. He's like, they'd see me and be like, oh, he has $100 million. He must have done some crime to get it. I mean, they weren't wrong. 
Sorry, but you did do a crime, Dennis. But Dennis, you did do something wrong. Dennis, that's illegal. This this jury of supposedly uneducated people did convict both Dennis Kozlowski and um, Mark Swartz on 22 counts of some stuff we haven't. I mean, we've seen some of this, yeah, but none of, the, none of the big hitters. We, we, you know what? It's not our top three. Yeah, 22 counts of grand larceny, falsifying business records, securities fraud. We have seen that one. Yeah. And conspiracy. We have seen that one. And they were both sentenced uh, a minimum of eight to a maximum of 25 years in prison. They were also forced to pay back $134 million in fines and were later clawed back for all the bonuses the two received during the time of their malcontent. Okay, first I was like, ooh, that's a drop in the bucket. And then I was like, oh, if you have to pay back all those bonuses, dude, they'll never pay it back. It's going to be real hard. So You'll, They can't pay it back. They've spent all that money. At least I think so. I don't know what their, like, asset holdings are, so they might have, like, they might still have the property and stuff that might be valued at something. I don't know. Dang. But, yes. Um, Tyco did have to pay something as a company as well, though. Uh, they had to pay out in a class action lawsuit to shareholders uh, to compensate for the dip in their stocks. That was a direct result of the scandal. Uh, the stock dropped 70% in 2002, the same year they posted that loss, to $17 a share. And they did, Oh, wow. They did have some actual accounting reasons for why that happened. Uh, they incurred $3 bill, It was like a $7 billion loss. And they three billion of that was because they were building the largest underwater fiber optic network. It was like a transatlantic like fiber optic Dang. network. Okay. And they had to restructure some of it, so that was three billion dollars. And then they had to restructure like two of their acquisitions. So it was another one billion each. So like they did have reasons why they posted the loss. And it wasn't like just what like Kislowski was doing. But still, all, because of the scandal and because of that, they're fucking stock tanked. Just tanked. Yeah. Um, Kozlowski served six and a half years of his sentence, uh, and he got parole at the first opportunity. He got out a year and a half early from his minimum sentence on good behavior. Um, because in his parole sentence, he admitted that he was regretful for his actions and that they were caused by his immense greed. And there's a couple quotes directly from that parole hearing where he says that. But in the later interviews I watched after he was released, because he was only in prison until 2011, because mm-hmm. he got convicted in 2005, um, he basically, he literally said he only said this because he wanted to get out of prison and not because he actually believed it. So he still claims that he's innocent. He he says something that's like, oh, it's like someone holding a gun to your head and saying, like, you need to tell me what I want to hear or else I'm not going to let you leave. Yeah. So he just said, oh, I'm greedy. Yeah, I, did I did it. I was, I was a bad boy. I was wrong. So he said that to get out, and then he's like, ha ha, fuck you, suckers. I don't believe any of that. Ha ha Jinx. <laughs> Jinx? Isn't that what you say? That's what you say when you say the same thing at the same time. Yeah, but what's the other thing? They're like, when you're like, ha, I pull a fast one on you. There's something else you say. Psych! Psych. Yes. Psych! You got there. I'm happy for you. Um... And if you're wondering, I didn't put it in here, but um, Mark Swartz served the eight-year minimum. And then good. So he did Mark not have good behavior. Mark Swartz <laughs> took less money and served more time. Well, maybe he was bad in prison. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he held on and didn't admit yeah, that he they was were greedy like, yeah, at his he, parole hearing. He's like, no, I did nothing wrong. And they're like, all right, all right another eight year years and it a half. Is. <laughs> um, 
So Dennis Kozlowski, now that he's out, does some minor corporate consultation work and is the head of a nonprofit that helps convicted criminals reintegrate with society. So this is like his one actual redeeming quality is that when he was in prison, he was like, you know what? A lot of people are incarcerated that shouldn't be incarcerated. I mean, he's right. Which I do agree with. Um, he did weirdly make it a lot about race in a way that made me uncomfortable because the interviewer that was interviewing him was like, so uh, were you like the only white guy in there? And I was like, oh, I don't Ooh, like this. And he like was that. like, and then he was like 80% were um, young uh, black American men. Um, and then about, then he said something like 12% were Latinos and 6% were white guys. Well, it still doesn't add up to 100. So I made those numbers oh, off okay. the cuff. That's probably not exactly what he said. Um, so it was weirdly kind of about that, but he did say that he's like, you know what? My time there, I did realize we have too many people incarcerated mm -hmm. and when they get out, they don't give them a good enough opportunity to reintegrate into society. He said, well, that, he's right. He said that when you got out of the Manhattan prison, they would give you $40 and a bus ticket back into Manhattan. And that was it. It's not a lot. And that like, yeah, like what are you supposed to do with that? Being on the phone in prison was $4 a minute and you had to reverse the charges to whoever you were talking to. It's the, most expensive, it's the most expensive place to communicate. You can't even... A phone sex operator cheaper than that. I know. I think. I I've never know. called. He also said that like when he was in prison, he was lucky because he had visitors and he had people that would come and see him. But 95% of the people in there never got a visitor either. Oh, that's really sad. But that's also because you don't really serve time near where you live. Yeah. So, like, your yeah. family can be in New York, and you could be incarcerated in South Carolina. Yeah. So, like, what? You're going to go on family vacation down to the prison to see your son? Yeah, it's wherever they got room. Mm -hmm. So um, so he did start a nonprofit, and he's the uh, chairman of the board for that nonprofit that helps um, ex-criminals reintegrate into society. And his new wife, his third wife, who he's still with, is the uh, is the head of the Women's Prison Association. Aw, a little jail love story. So, you know, he he did, like, uh, after doing the research, I definitely think he took a lot of this money. I don't think that he's just a victim of... of Absolutely he, he, not. He tries to paint it as, like, a witch hunt. I don't really think that's what it is. I think he did take money. I think you can talk about maybe is it more of a corporate thing about, like, did the corporation set up, like, their policies wrong and he just took advantage of it? Like, maybe. maybe I could see that, but I also think there should be some criminal charges for what he did as well, because he did affect shareholders, yeah. which are just normal people. And we've talked about that a lot, how if you fuck over a company, you can really fuck over, like, a bunch of people's retirement funds and mm -hmm. everything, because they're all in stock. Yeah. So it's not a victimless crime, even though it seems like that. So, um, but in the end, Dennis Koslowski had everything that the American dream is supposedly made of. Money, power, influence. But he couldn't stop there. The hundreds of millions that he was already making wasn't enough. And much like Icarus, Kozlowski wanted to see just how far he could rise. But it, ending, but it ended with a humbling fall back to reality. This story shows how greed is the core of corporate America. How we can't put our trust in corporations because at the end of the day, the highest ranking officials in those corporations probably care multitudes more about themselves than the company as a whole. The executives would rather invest their corporation's money into trash cans, shower curtains, and alcohol-pissing ice sculptures than they ever would in strengthening the American dream as a whole. So, 
There we have it. There we have it. That's it for this week. Um, thank you for listening to my second dose of Pfizer infused rambling. About- Actually, you did a pretty good job. Thanks. <laughs> I did do a lot of research. You seemed like you got better after we started. Yeah, I think it was I it was a slow roll, but once we got going, I think I got there. Yeah, you had a little more life come back into your eyes. Yeah. It's draining again. This, but, po- this podcast on it just gives me life knowing yeah. that all of you I think are on you the got other side some of adrenaline. Yeah, I'm going to fucking pass out after this though. Yeah, you, you now now you look bad again. <laughs> Sorry, but no, you do. That's okay. I uh, did tell him fine. I was like I've never seen you look this bad. Yeah, I do I know I look pretty rough. Um so we might as well just wrap this up, get out of here so I can pass out. Uh, if you like what you hear, please subscribe. Uh, if you're not listening on iTunes or if you are listening on iTunes, if you could leave us a review, um, it's a great way to grow our podcast for free for you. I know that 80% of you right now are listening on iTunes. So we know it. So please uh, go by and drop a review like this uh, five-star review that we just got the other day, which this is the last instance of us recommending a toilet bowl voice. I make no promises. Um, this came to us from Marth9, and it's titled, Love a Toilet Bowl Voice, parentheses, whatever that means. <laughs> I listen at work, and it makes me hate my job less. Thanks. We love that. <laughs> Straight, you know, to the point. We love it. And that's all we want to do is make life a little less shitty for you. Thanks, Marth9. Thanks, Marth9. So uh, you can go ahead and follow uh, us on all of our social media to keep up with the podcast or to contact us in any way. That's uh, facebook.com slash white collars, red hands or our Twitter at white collars pod. Our Instagram at white collars underscore red hands. If you want to see pictures of us and you're weird like that and some uh, bios or whatever, or you just want to listen to the podcast directly from there, you can head to our website at white collars, red hands dot com. Or you can send recommendations or just contact us in any way at whitecollarsredhands at gmail.com. And I think that's it. I'm ready to pass the fuck out. So thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next week on another episode of White Collars Red Red Hands. Hands.